This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. Scottish Mortgage is considered the flagship trust of Edinburgh-based investment managers Bailey Gifford and is the UK's largest investment trust. As with any investment, please note capital is at risk. To find out more, please visit scottishmortgageit.com. Hello, my name is Sean Schaefer and welcome to The Wealth Show from Situa. In this episode, I spoke with Kira Motley, partner at law firm Boodle Hatfield, about why the UK government temporarily closed the Tier 1 investor visa and why she thinks its dirty money reputation is unfair. Well, Kira, thank you so much for joining me today. How will the withdrawal of the scheme impact UK wealth management? And, and were many firms still offering the Tier 1 visas? So in terms of your first question, and were many firms still offering the Tier 1 visa, I think it's helpful to look at some statistics here. So since 2012 and over the last decade, just over 12,000 Tier 1 investor visas have been granted by the Home Office. Now, I think what is really interesting to me is the largest jurisdiction for which investor visas have been granted is China. China comprises just over one third of all of those visas having been granted in the last 10 years, comprising 4,252 visas to be precise. Um, Russia is an interesting case because Russia is the second highest Russia has uh, 2,000, just over 2,000 visas that's been granted. But of course, that means that you've got just under 10,000 visas that have been granted to people everywhere else in the world, including Hong Kong, the USA, India, China, Iraq, Iran, Israel. And sorry, that statistic, that's, that's over about a decade, are we talking, rather than a year? Correct. This is over a decade because I think it's important to look at it sort of holistically over a longer period. And in the last year, there's not been any any dramatic change in those statistics. So we've continued to see interest. It hasn't spiked. It's it's remained broadly as it has sort of in previous years. And the rules have tightened somewhat in, in more recent years. Does that affect the amount of people applying for the visa? Um, they're tightened in terms of the rules on um, money laundering and what you have to provide. Uh, it it hasn't changed this. It hasn't had an actual impact on the statistics in terms of the people applying. And also the amount that's needed to invest. Is that right? The amount that people can invest. So they can invest either two million, five million, or or ten million. I don't have statistics on how many people have gone in at 2 million, how many at 5 and how many at 10. But we, we know that it's a minimum 2 million investment. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of political pressure at the moment. But, you know, what do you think is at the core of why the government is scrapping the tier one visa now? <laughs> Interesting question. Um if you if we go if we wind back a couple of years, we had the Channel Four Dispatches series, and that alleged serious failings in the Tier One Investor Scheme. They effectively said, um, not to use my words, but they used the word "dodgy money" could be bought into the UK simply by opening a bank account and investing into British businesses. But the position is far more nuanced than that. 
In fact, if you want to get an investor visa, the threshold is higher than simply opening a bank account. So if somebody had dodgy money and they wanted to move that dodgy money, it's got nothing to do with visas. They can just simply open a bank account. And if the bank doesn't do the appropriate checks, in theory, they could move that money. But banks are all highly regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. So I think I think actually the risk of someone in the modern day being able to either use this visa scheme or even open a bank account and, and move um, you know, proceeds of crime, for example, into the UK, I, I think it would be an extremely small proportion. And, and why are both sides of the political spectrum using that phrase dirty money I, th- I saw a quote from from the home office saying associating it with with dirty money and from an, a labor mp saying dirty money as well i mean and obviously there's been a bit more scrutiny over the scheme since um the the, the salisbury sergey scrapoil incident in 2018 you know why is there such controversy around it um, I think one of the areas of controversy is should someone who is a high net worth individual be able to effectively buy indefinitely into the UK and buy a British passport? That's an interesting political question. Um, individuals who invest £2 million can get indefinite leave could under the scheme when it existed. They could get indefinite leave to remain in the UK after five years. If they invested five million pounds, that reduces to three years. And if they invest 10 million pounds, it reduces to two years. And then the time frame by which someone would get a passport remains at five years. So there is an interesting political question over should people be effectively able to buy a passport. But I think then we have to look at it internationally. And the UK is not the only country in the world. And individuals, high net worth families looking to relocate often consider other jurisdictions. So there are other countries in Europe offering citizenship schemes such as Austria, Malta, Italy, Cyprus, Jersey, Portugal, Spain and Switzerland. And then outside of Europe, you've got Canada, the USA, Australia and Singapore. So these forms of schemes, schemes, the, the, the investor visa option, it's not it's not unique. It's not something where we're the only country that does it. Many countries all around the world do it. Um, there's then a question over over this 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 sort of dirty money. But the Home Office in 2019 brought in a new requirement that they can they have the power to refuse any application where there are reasonable grounds to believe that the funds have been or will be transferred by means which are unlawful. Um, So basically, the buck stops with the Home Office and they already have the power to refuse any individual that they want to. And they have used that power already. But it's not just that. There are extremely strict rules on the banks in terms of the due diligence they have to do. So every applicant has to confirm the origin of their money for the investment. They have to open a bank account with a bank or UK financial institution that is regulated by the FCA. And they have to comply with the bank's checks around source of wealth and source of funds. So that bank needs to be undertaking a full examination of how that individual, how that client has made their money. 
checking that it has been made through legitimate means. Well, drilling down a little further in that, obviously you said there's um, very stringent due diligence measures on banks there, but do you, do you think any financial institutions, any wealth managers, private offices were maybe not doing enough in terms of due diligence and perhaps that influenced the Home Office's decision? I couldn't I couldn't really comment on that because I haven't got any I haven't got any evidence on that one way or the other. What I can say is that we have we have rules, we have laws, they are very stringent, um, and they're they're very similar to what other countries worldwide have in terms of the same checks, like the US, Australia, other countries, they have similar money laundering rules and very high standards that people have to comply with. If someone's not complying with the law, um, that comes down to the regulator to be investigating and to be doing audits of those firms. And I've not seen any statistics that suggest that the, the rules on money laundering haven't been complied with. But it's also separate, really, from the visa, because those money laundering rules have to be complied with to open a bank account anyway. And so it's it. It, it it just applies for anyone anywhere in the world wanting to open even a cash account here. I wanted to move back to, to our first question, sort of the scale of, of, of the money coming in from this. How hard do you really think this is going to hurt UK wealth management firms and family offices? Um, I don't think it's, well, I don't think it's going to hit family offices particularly, um, save that, of course, you may have people not wanting to relocate to the UK anymore because they can't get a visa to come here. But in terms of the visa itself, um, I, I think it could have a really very significant impact on the British economy. If we look at the last 10 years, we've had over 24 billion that has been invested into British business from this scheme. And I don't have the statistics on how many people have invested at the higher tiers. I've To compute that figure, I've simply taken 12,000 visas. It's actually a little bit more than 12,000, but just rounding down. 12,000 visas, let's assume they'd invested 2 million. Um, you're looking at 20, 24 billion plus has been invested. Now, under the rules, you can only invest in permitted investments, and that includes share capital and or loan capital in active trading UK registered companies. They have to be registered with Companies House. They have to be registered with HMRC for corporation tax and PAYE. They have to have accounts and a, and a UK bank account showing regular trading and at least two UK employees who are not directors. So this is a great scheme to attract people with wealth who maybe want to come to the UK, maybe to educate their children, um, just to enjoy the culture of, of the UK, perhaps even temporarily, and to get people investing in British business. And for me, I don't think there is anything wrong with that. We want to encourage that. We want that investment particularly with with Brexit and, and the impact of COVID. But we want to make sure the money that's coming in is not, you know, to use that phrase, dirty money. Sure. Is this change likely to be retrospective or is it only going to affect new investors? So if they've at the, the government have actually clarified that now. And um, at the moment, the tier one investor visa is closed. It can have no new applicants. For anyone who already has a visa 
or has had one in the last 12 months and it was their most recent visa, they can still apply to settle in the UK, so for indefinite leave to remain. They can still apply to extend their visa for two years and they can still apply for family members to join them on that visa. Okay. So it's it's not too onerous if you've already got through the process. Yeah, if you've already got your visa, this is the current thinking of the of the government. But you know, you never know if that might change tomorrow. Sure, and and it's been described as a temporary move. How how temporary do you think this is actually going to be, or do you think it's more realistically a permanent move? I I don't know the answer to that. Um, I don't know whether it will be temporary or permanent. I would have thought the better thing the government could have done was actually consult on this, get some statistics, see actually, you know, if there were things wrong with the money laundering checks. And if so, talk to the Financial Conduct Authority and to get them to put more requirements on the banks. So I don't know whether it will be temporary or or permanent. Um, Do you think there's an element of it being a knee-jerk reaction to the Russia-Ukraine situation? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, but I I also find that quite quite hard to understand because there's been no evidence that the scheme has seen any increase in usage by Russians. And I, I can't see anything to do with the matter to do with Ukraine. And if the government are concerned about money coming into the UK from Russia, um, you can't look at the tiny, tiny element of that that may have something to do with a visa, look at it holistically as a whole, and then you come right back to the political discussion that's going on at the moment in terms of in terms of sanctions. Um, so I, I I feel it's a little bit like using a mallet to, to crack a nut. Well, Kara, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. As with any investment, capital is at risk.